Amen, amen. How's everybody doing? God bless you. Amen, amen. Well, it is the Christmas season, and I know a lot of folks are out shopping, and those some of you, you want to go shopping right now and see what you can do with the days after the Black Friday or whatever they call it. Well, let's see if we can get the Word of God in, which is most important. And our scripture today is 2 Kings 5, 1 through 14. Now, in the interest of time, I'm not going to read the scripture, but I, you can pull it up and look at it if you want to, and I'm going to get you out of here as soon as possible. Now, all throughout the message, I will be referring to the scripture, so it's not like we are disregarding it, that we would never do that. Uh, but again, you are welcome to and encouraged to read it, even while I'm preaching. I do want you to understand again and again and again that God is not like us. He thinks different. He loves different. And in fact, the scriptures say that his thoughts are not our thoughts. He is way above us in every way, shape, and form. I, I, want, I want us to understand that. Now, I'm saying that to say this. We have to acknowledge God for who he is. And we have to acknowledge God for what he does. We have to stop putting God on the same plane as man. That's, that's a grave error. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. There, there is example after example uh, in the Bible of God using people less than qualified. Amen. Amen. Uh, from age to gender to status, and we can go on and on and on. They have no way in the world qualified for what God uses them for. And nevertheless, God calls them to a certain purpose. And that just goes to show you that we are just a vehicle. God can use anybody and anything. He can use whomever to accomplish his mission. And today, our message is called Great Things come in small packages. Great things come in small packages. Now, that's another thing I want to get clear, uh, just so we understand. Despite the fact that God can use anyone or anything, somehow or another, God chooses us. Now, that doesn't make us special. You, you ain't got to put on all white and, 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 and put a big cross around your neck and go around humming all the time. <laughs> Amen. Uh, it just shows us that we are available for God's use. That, that's what that is. Uh, for example, the boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. Do you know, do you think for a second that he knew Jesus would be out there on that mountainside? Uh, 
and that Jesus would say, uh, bring that boy here with those two fish and five loaves of bread. And we all know what he did with that. He blessed it and over 5,000 people were fed, not including the women and children. Great things come in small packages. That little boy never knew for a second what happened <laughs> and probably still didn't even after it was blessed. But nevertheless, Jesus took that bread and blessed it and took those fish and blessed it. Unless we dwell too long on the periphery, let, let, me, let me get into today's message. We have Naaman before us, for those of you who've been reading the scripture. And Naaman is the commander of the Syrian army. Now, for those of you who know your history, Syria obviously took over Israel uh, when God allowed them to. And so that's 10 nations that were taken over by Syria. They allowed them to still be a country, but basically Syria was in charge. And Naaman was the one who instituted this. And in fact, he was considered a mighty warrior and highly regarded. Uh, he was held in high esteem by the Syrian nation. Uh, word is that he, Naaman, is the soldier whose arrow mortally wounded King Ahab of Israel. So basically, Syria's victory is really attributed to him. And you can look at that in 1 Kings 22 and 34. Now, to give you a little history uh, so that we are clear uh, where we're going with this, Syria took over Israel's 10 tribes, while Babylon took over Judah's two tribes. The Lord allowed this after giving Israel numerous warnings. Get your act together. Get your act together. Get your life together. And Israel acted like, hey, Lord, we don't even know who you are. And the Lord said, all right. And so he allowed Syria to come in and take over the 10 tribes of Israel. And then he gave Babylon the same warning, or Judah, and they had two tribes. Remember, it was 12 tribes, 10 plus 2 is 12. And Judah act like they didn't have no sense. And God then allowed Babylon to come over and take over Judah. So now, despite all of what Damon accomplished, getting back to Syria, and all the honor that he received, and, you know, being Mr. Commander, Mr. In Charge, I mean, he, everything attributed to him as to why they were able to take over. And don't forget, in that day, if you could beat Israel, oh my God, you did something. Because nobody could beat Israel. Because God was always on their side. I mean, my gosh, you know the story. I mean, Moses took over a million of them from Egypt. And since that time, he just conquered and conquered and conquered and conquered. And so nobody could beat Israel. Until God walked away from them and opened the door and allowed whomever and whatever to come in. Boy, I tell you what, you got to be careful when you mess around with God and God says, you know what? I'm done with you. You, you go on. I, I, I can't do this. I can't do this with you. Boy, you go on by yourself if you want to. <laughs> this is, you fool around and, 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 and what happened with Israel? The same thing happened to you. Now, despite, like I said, all of what he did and all of his celebrity status, there was something about Naaman 
that stood out. What was it, preacher? Well, Naaman was a leper. And back in that day, if you had leprosy, you had to be put aside because eventually you were going to die and you were contagious. So I imagine Naaman was probably doing a lot of work from home or from his camp. And being that he was so popular and that he was, uh, you know, such a highly regarded, they allowed him to do this. But normally they put you off in a little old place where nothing but lepers are there. But with Naaman, they, he still had control and his body was discolored and deformed. Yeah, yeah. It was full of lesions and stumps. Oh, it was ugly. It, it, it was corrupted. I mean, he, he looked shockingly gross. In fact, if I could be so bold as to say Naaman looked like a cartoon. And I would imagine that due to contamination, uh, he just no longer went into the field. I mean, you just didn't do that back then. They didn't have the doctors that we have today. They didn't have that. So so he had to lead from his chamber or from his 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 tent or wherever he was, wherever he was stationed. And so his closest in command and his family and servants were the only ones able to even see him or be around him. Uh, now, keep in mind, though leprosy is treatable today, uh, like I said before, back then it was terminal. And so you were isolated and you just waited to die. But speaking of servants, this, this is where our title comes in, uh, into this message. Great things come in small packages. This right, right, right there. I want you to underline that, if you will. Now, we already established that by the boy with the two fish and the five loaves of bread, and and I don't know if you know the story about the little engine that could, and I'm not going to go into the details of it. You can you can Google it if you want to. And of course, you know, Jesus came on as a little baby, a man born in a manger. And we know what he did, uh, even though he was born as a baby. But But our story today is about great things come in small packages. And I've just given you numerous examples. Uh... This little girl that we're about to talk about, this girl was a servant, a servant of Naaman's wife. And I would say she was about 12 years old. And the scripture, if you read it already, it never said anything about this little girl was abducted from her home when Syria invaded Israel. It never said anything about the sorrow of separation from her family and how homesick she was, grieving for her parents. The scriptures didn't go into any details about that. Huh? The scripture also never said anything, for those of you who are reading it now, who've read it already, it never said anything about any bitterness or rage that this little girl had because she was taken and made a servant to Naaman and his wife. I, I want you to digest that. I want you to take that in for a minute. Huh? Now, she could easily 
have shown rage with this enemy, Syria. Syria was a big enemy of Israel. And she being taken from her homeland all the way to Syria. She came from a holy background. And here she had to live with these pagans. Huh? Oh, she could have been upset. And this, this, she, she could have had what we like to call today holy indignation. 12 years old, taken from her family. But nope, the scripture didn't talk about any of that. And the little girl didn't have any of that. She didn't have holy indignation. In fact, the scripture did say that she was a loyal and good servant. She was humble and kind, even to the point that when she saw her master Naaman suffering, listen, 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 she saw this as an opportunity to introduce him to her God. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Instead of thinking, this mother took me from my homeland and I hope he die his disease. This is poetic justice. Nope. That's not what she was thinking. Mm -mm. She was thinking, let me help him and his wife in several ways. He can get well and then he can get to know my God who is God. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, the wisdom of a little girl. Great things come in small packages because that's just not how most of us would have been thinking. <laughs> you know it, huh? So this little girl, and you can look in the third verse there, if you please, said to her mistress that, Mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Mm? That's what she said to her master. Now, that seems to be so sweet, so kind. I mean, my God, she didn't have to do that, but that's what she did. And it's just amazing to me. She overlooked Naaman's sternness because, you know, he had to be angry. He had to be mean. I mean, going through all of what he went through, uh, all of his this this awful disease beating up his body. You you heard me describe him earlier. I'm not going to repeat it. And yet she saw his quiet desperation instead of all this stuff on his exterior. <coughs> Excuse me. And and underneath all of that tough exterior was terrible despair. She heard Naaman praying to his gods, small g. 
even as he was slowly dying, there he was praying to his gods, small g. Uh, and there was nothing that his gods, small g, could do. And there was nothing that anybody in Syria could do because they were a pagan nation. They couldn't save him. But this little girl knew where she came from. God's people, oh my God, hallelujah, had a solution. And so this little girl said there in verse three to her mission, I know a man, <laughs> hallelujah, feel like preaching now. I know a man who can heal him. Huh? And, and, and so Naaman heard what the little girl said because his wife told him. So Naaman then got permission from the king of Syria. Ben-Hadad was his name, to go to this prophet of Samaria huh? in Israel. And so King Ben-Hadad of Syria wrote a letter to the king of Israel, which basically said in part, uh, and you have to look at the sixth verse, With this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. <laughs> now, listen, this, this is where it gets interesting. We're talking about great things come in small packages. When the king of Israel got this letter, his name was King Joram. This is so interesting. Oh my God. Now, the intent of the letter was to put Naaman in touch with the prophet Elisha. Since back in, in that day, a king always had close contact with his prophet. Whether he was good or bad, he always had close contact with his prophet. And so the king of Syria just assumed that this was the case in Israel also. Now, King Ben-Hadad thought King Joram of Israel had a close relationship with his prophet. But King Joram didn't really know the Lord. And by virtue of that, he didn't really know his prophet. Because the prophet, Elijah, was close to God. King Joram was doing his own thing. Even after being taken over by another nation, he still didn't get his life together, and he still didn't make the nation of Israel get their lives together. My God. Oh, but there was a little problem here. And this little problem became a big problem. You see, King Joram didn't 
believe in God and he didn't believe in God's prophet. So when the king got the letter, he did what they do in the old day. He tore his clothes, meaning that he was displeased. Now, now listen, the so-called godly king from a godly nation, he literally started cussing. This mother trying to pick a fight with me. They had already taken over and now he's trying to pick a fight with me. This is how he was thinking. Wow. So, 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 so you don't find that rather strange that the pagan king, Ben-Hadad, took the little girl's words seriously. And yet, King Joram of a so-called godly nation didn't take her seriously. Wow. I, I hope you're getting that. The king of Israel knew more about the living God and yet he believed less than his pagan counterpart. Did you, did you get that? Somehow, must be the Holy Spirit, Elisha got wind of the matter and sent word to King Joram. You have to look at the eighth verse. Amen. You have to look at the eighth verse. Amen. Take, take a look at that. And, and, and I'm going to read that for you. Why have you torn your robes? Just have the man come to me. And he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. Now listen. Maybe King Joram was jealous of Elisha. We know he didn't know God. We know he didn't, he knew who Elisha was. He knew who Elisha represented, but maybe he didn't want to have anything to do with Elisha because he didn't want to have anything to do with God. But God got wind of this anyway, and Elisha, through the spirit of the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, sent word to King Joram, have him come over here. So Naaman and his entourage, his horses and his chariots, they rode right to the door of Elisha's house. <laughs> oh, but look what happened. Elisha wouldn't even come out of the house. Huh? Look at verse 9 and 10. Naaman went to the with his horses and his chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger. He sent a messenger outside to tell Naaman. He didn't even go out himself. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Oh my God, this, this is good. This is good. And your flesh will be restored and you will be cleaned. Now, Naaman was getting teed off. And I, I would say P, 
the P word, peed, peed off, but I'm going to say teed off because I, I see you have some children out there listening. Naaman was teed off. Oh, my God. He was literally upset. Elisha was in no way moved by the power of Naaman's position. Totally untouched. At the same time, he was moved by his infirmity. So what he was doing was making himself invisible so that Naaman could find God and know who was really helping him. Huh? Now, of course, Naaman didn't see it that way. This is what Naaman said. What in the world? I drive all the way over here to Israel, to Samaria. And this son of a so-and-so won't even come outside to see me? What the blank? Surely he gonna come outside. Look at verse 11 and 12. Do you see that? For those of you who are not looking at it, Naaman went away angry. I thought surely this blankety blank would come outside and stand and, 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 and you know, do some magic, call on the name of his God, wave his hand over my spot, cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar? The rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel, could not wash in them and be clean. And he turned away in a fit. He was angry. I mean, he was upset. And you know, it's funny. Naaman's servants, and the little girl being one of them, had to tell him, Master, I know you wanted Elisha to come outside and do a little dance, say a little prayer. <laughs> you know, because he's important. You know, you, 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 you're somebody. But... We are in Israel. They don't serve the God we serve. And this little girl said it's not about Elisha per se. It's about the God they serve. And Elisha is just one of the servants who facilitates their God. So, this is what you should do, Master. Don't walk away angry. We didn't come this all this way for nothing. Huh? The fact that he's not coming outside, it, it that's immaterial. But 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 then Naaman raised up and said, But he's sending me to one of the nastiest rivers around. Why? Why do I have to go to the Jordan? We saw that coming over here. That thing is filthy. It was grayish, green, and sluggish. It looked like mud. 
liquid mud. And this fool want me to go bathe in that? <laughs> and he said a few other things. And then that's when he said, blankety blanket, the rivers of Damascus that ran from the snow fields of Lebanon are better than this. This dude is crazy. And so his pride and his arrogance caused him to refuse to go to the Jordan like Elisha told him to. He was indignant. He was upset. Huh? And finally, Naaman's servants got to him and intervened. And this is what they said to him. Look at verses 13 and 14. Master, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? Now, how much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleaned? Why can't you do it? Why can't you do it? And so Naaman listened to his servants, the little girl being one of them. And, he, and, and, and I, I want to play with this for a moment, if you please. He went down to the Jordan. And even then, after hearing everything that his servants said, he just couldn't stomach it. He just, he just, he just couldn't do it, but he, he looked back at his servants and they looked at him like, come on, come on, you can do it. And he dipped one time, just one time, in that muddy Jordan, nothing happened. And they said, he said seven times, master. And he dipped again, nothing happened. And now he's just getting more and more furious and muddy and stinky. And don't forget, he's already hurting. He's already got sores on him. He's already got lesions. His, his bones are already deformed. And he dipped a third time. Oh, he was angry. I, I would like to think that steam was coming off of him in that stinky, filthy, nasty Jordan River. And he dipped a fourth time. And he dipped a fifth time. And then he dipped a sixth time. And oh, he was hot. He was livid. And he dipped a sixth time, nothing. And he said, well, all right. And they looked at him and they said, master, go on. He said seven times. And he dipped the seventh time. And the scripture said, when he came up, his skin was like a young child. Did you hear what I said? His skin was like a young child. And oh, look at what happened afterwards. I'm, I, I got to go back and read this for you in the 13th and 14th verse. Uh, in fact, let's just go right to the 14th. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him, and his flesh was restored and he became clean as a young child. And then this is what he said. Now I know 
There is no God in the world except in Israel. Wow. Mission accomplished. What that little girl wanted for him was healing and for him to know God. And he had faith in God because he dipped in that nasty, muddy Jordan as the prophet told him to. Prophet didn't want no credit. Prophet didn't want no money. Prophet didn't want anything but for him to go and do what he was told to do and watch what God would do with him. And he came up like a young child. That's how beautiful his skin looked. And there that little girl stood with a healed master. And now a believing master. And don't you know that affected his whole household? And all of this happened because of the love of a little girl obeying God. Great thing. Come in small packages. Come on, choir. Great things come in small packages. And I hope that somebody out there right now, you heard this message. And you can feel the Spirit of the Lord moving on you. I don't know if you have an illness. I don't know if you had someone who had an illness. But I want you to know, God moves in his own time and in his own way. And he's effective. And he always has a purpose. God doesn't just do something just because. He does it with intent and a purpose in mind the doors of the church are open come on and I, I I want somebody here right now to feel the presence of the Lord I don't know if it's healing you're looking for I don't know if you just need to find God himself I don't know if you need a job I don't know if you're looking for a husband a wife I don't know if you're going through certain troubles and trials and problems and tribulations, but I want you to know there is a God in Israel. And you can be introduced to him right now. And he can help you in whatever it is you need. Now, God may ask you to do something. It may not be as drastic as dipping in the muddy Jordan. But God may ask you to do something. And I pray that you would have enough humility to do that. For your healing, for whatever it is you need. And let God touch your life. That you might know God is real. Oh, he's real. And he needs to have a conversation with you right now. Will you come? Will you accept him? Come on. Come on. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this message. 
We thank you for these listening ears and these open hearts. Let your word move now on somebody's life. Touching, saving, healing, uplifting, teaching. Touch, Father, in the name of Jesus, as only you can. Open that mind, open that heart, open that soul. Save somebody right now. Bless somebody right now. Encourage somebody right now. Inspire somebody right now. Somebody needs a job. Somebody's looking for a husband. Somebody's looking for a wife. Somebody's looking for healing. Whatever it is they need, God, let your will be done as you see fit in the name of Jesus. Thank you now, Lord. Sometimes this season can be hard for some people, Christmas season. Instead of it being happy and jovial, it can be depressing because they don't have a mother. They don't have a father. They don't have a home. Will you touch right now, Father, in the name of Jesus? And make things right as only you can. In your own way, God, bless. And we thank you now for the answer and the blessing. Praise God. Amen. This is Faith Words Finding Ministries Weekly Encouragements by Nam Wayne. God bless you. Won't you tell a friend?